Hey, welcome everyone to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week as always by my co-host Brian Wells, along with special guest host Will Kalora, who making his third appearance on the podcast. We're officially calling him a recurring guest, and he joins us to talk some football. We'll react to a couple of blowouts from the weekend. The Steelers losing to the Bills 38-3, the Patriots beating the Lions 29-0, and We'll also talk about some of the other action news from NFL Week 5. We'll also talk some baseball as MLB playoffs continue to move along. Wildcard round wrapped up. Division series is underway. And uh, we'll give our thoughts on what happened this past weekend and look ahead to the next round of the postseason. NHL season is also officially underway now with the puck dropping on the first two games of the season on Tuesday night. Bruins and Penguins are getting ready to start their seasons. We'll give our expectations for both of them following first-round playoff exits uh, entering this new 2022-23 campaign. We'll also give our predictions for division winners and the Stanley Cup Finals. And finally, we'll wrap this one up with a top five that we haven't done in a while, but we've enjoy doing in the past with various guests and their names and this week it'll be celebrities named will or some other variation of that name in honor of our special guest becoming a recurring guest in our eyes so lots to get to in this one so with that let's get started So when uh, someone comes on for just the first time, it could just be a one-off appearance. You don't know if they're going to come on again. And I think second time, it's like, okay, you know, good to see you back on. But we'll see. Is this uh, is this the future? And I think once you get the three, it's kind of like you're committed to that at that, that point. So I'm uh, I'm going to officially say that, you know, Will Kalora, you're now a recurring guest on He's Done It. And, you know, anytime we reach out, we're going to have to coordinate this uh for you to come back on so we appreciate you taking the time to make this third appearance now thanks for having me back i i wish i had the uh lebron james preloaded audio of not one not two <laughs> so you well, know, got that on the top yeah. five later so which, <laughs> that kind of on the topic in the past uh the first time that brian wells came on we did our top five celebrities named brian We've done top five celebrities named Ben, top five celebrities named Cam in the past as well. I know that's kind of a fun topic that, Brian, you suggested multiple times. So we're going to do top five celebrities named Will kind of in your honor as we wrap this one up. Uh, we also kind of chose you specifically for this episode because we want to talk about the baseball playoffs and hockey. And, you know, I think that you're kind of at the same place as us where, like, you know enough about those sports to talk about them. Not as exciting as football always, but... Uh, definitely worth mentioning with baseball playoffs underway and hockey season now also underway. But of course, football is the main topic we're on here. NFL Week 5 is in the books. Uh, both of our teams were on opposite ends of blowouts. And uh, we'll get to your team, but I think I want to start off with the Steelers. 
Bills 38, Steelers 3. And I'm just going to come out and say it. Steelers are a bad football team. Like, there's no point in trying to run from that, no point in trying to deny it, trying to convince myself otherwise. The Steelers are simply a bad football team. I get that the Bulls, Bills are a great football team. Steelers scored three points. Their defense was a train wreck. TJ Watt is out even longer than expected. And whenever he does come back, I don't think he's saving this defense. Uh, just the reality. I mean, the offense is not great. I liked what I saw from Kenny Pickett in this game, but I don't think that this is a fun football team. And I don't know that I want to talk about this team every single week. You know, for most of our listeners, they don't care about the Steelers. They don't care to hear about a three and seven football team. And they, even the fans who are like also Steelers fans, I'm sure could use a break from uh, hearing about this team and just, you know, how bad things are right now. And maybe they'll be relevant some weeks, but I, I'm, I'm just not interested in every single week, you know, going back and forth where I'm like, this is why Matt Canada should be tried for crimes against humanity. And Brian's like, man, Steelers fans really don't like this Matt Canada guy. Like, we don't need to go through that exercise every <laughs> single week. But that's that's kind of where we're at right now. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, I mean, that that's that's kind of my, my thoughts at this point. You know, for the first time in my Steelers fandom, going back to 2004, Steelers are a legitimately bad football team. They're not a team that is good enough to make the playoffs, not really a Super Bowl contender, or, you know, they're good enough to finish 500, but maybe not make the playoffs. Like, this is a team that is closer to being the worst in the league than they are to being a playoff team. And they've always said that, you know, Steelers don't rebuild, they retool. Right now, this team is rebuilding. And uh, the only positives I can take away from this season at this point in time is the development of Kenny Pickett and whoever else develops alongside him. Because the defense is the most overpaid in football you know they're the number one defense and def in terms of money spent and they're definitely not the number one defense in terms of talent and the offense is young there's no money invested in them so yeah i mean that's kind of what i've i've come to accept at this point you know if we want to get an actual analysis bills are a really good football team huh like anyone who is questioning them in the past two weeks is probably not fair to do so i mean josh allen is putting up video game type numbers whenever the name norman brocklin gets thrown out you know a quarterback's doing something special and yeah i mean that that's i don't know what else there is to say you know the buffalo bills are you know one of if not the best football teams and they uh flat out embarrass the steelers on sunday and it's hard for me to feel too great about Pittsburgh at this point in time. Yeah, when it comes to the Steelers, I wasn't on them to begin this season, and I wasn't high on them last year, entering last year, but they've shown for so many years that they've been a, a good team. They're obviously not any sort of championship team whatsoever now, but I thought coming to the year, even though I didn't have them in the playoffs, I thought they'd still be fine. Because they made it, again, they made it to the playoffs last year with an aging Ben Roethlisberger, and they are going to have more athletic ability at the quarterback position, and they have good weapons on offense, and when healthy, they do have some good weapons on defense, and it was there was no doubt in anyone's mind that their defense was going to take a hit without T.J. Watt after losing him week one, but it looks even worse. The, the, the Steelers are even worse than I thought they'd be, and yeah, just getting flat out embarrassed by Buffalo on the road was not a good look for them. And I don't think, I, I think it's pretty evident now that they're not going to be a good football team this year and they're not going to uh, fight for a playoff spot. And it's very likely that they'll be 
selecting closer to the top of the draft than in the middle or the bottom uh, in the first round. And yeah, when it comes to Buffalo, yeah, they are, they're pretty good. It's not some sort of hot take. They are a pretty, (laughs) they are a good football team. And Corey, I remember last week we were talking about, we did like a factor fiction kind of thing. Uh, If the chiefs were the, the, the team to beat in the AFC and I'll admit, I kind of had a lukewarm answer because I was struggling to pick picking between Casey and Buffalo, because I do think that's the clear top two uh, through the, these first five weeks. And I went with KC at the time just because, I'll admit, because of recency bias, because their win over Tampa was more impressive, and especially since Tampa was, their defense was killing it for these first three weeks, and then all of a sudden KC scores 41 points on them and make them look like an average defense. While Buffalo, they won, but they were really struggling in that game versus Baltimore. They got off to a sloppy start and squeaked, the, squeaked out a wind very late in that game. And so... I'll admit there was recency bias picking KC for that question, but I got to say, if I were to change my mind or if I were to pick right now, I'm sure I'll flip-flop all year, but if I were to pick right this second, I think I would pick Buffalo because I know Pittsburgh wasn't a great opponent, but games like that and multiple other games that they've had this year, they've shown dominance on both sides of the ball. And that first game versus LA, it was, it was opening night for the defending Super Bowl champions and they blew them out and they won by three touchdowns. And then Monday night versus Tennessee, that wasn't a contest. And then this game wasn't a contest either. They've been dominating both sides of the ball and games like that have shown that I think Buffalo has more upside than Casey. Now we'll, we'll see who the better team is this upcoming Sunday because they play each other, which is going to be a hell of a game. Or if I were to pick right now, I yeah, definitely excited for yeah, that one. Definitely excited for that one. But if I were to pick right this second, I, I would pick Buffalo and I would change my mind on the, they're the team to be in the AFC. Yeah. You know, I, I think the last time I, or the first time I was on, uh, I was right around the uh, NFL free agency and the Steelers had just signed Mitch Trubisky. And I remember saying to Corey, you know, this is a win-win for you. He either, you know, he either becomes the second coming of Josh Allen after sitting behind him for a year, or he's Mitch Trubisky and you guys have a you know great draft pick for the following year. You know, like it, I didn't expect them to be as bad with Kenny Pickett. I'll be honest. I thought Kenny Pickett, you know, was going to kind of solve some of their problems. Not, you know, like, you know, not to say that, you know, uh, not to say that he didn't have a good game, but I, you know, I, I, was ex- yards, I, I wasn't expecting him to have, like, I wasn't expecting them, them to put up three points. Like I thought they'd, you know, they'd be able to scrap something together. They have too talented of an offense. You know, Corey, you pointed out, they have too talented of a team to be doing that. You know, you know, and I, and I get, they don't have Watt, but, that's not why that you know that's not why they did that you know they they you know allow 38 points to the bills the bills are an absolute wagon don't get me wrong but that's not a you know, that's not a good score like you know that's the kind of thing you, you the, the Detroit Lions do you know that, that's a, that's the kind of thing that a team with a with a bad coaching staff does and don't get me wrong I love Tomlin I think you know I think the Steelers have you know I would put Tomlin in probably my top five coaches right now uh you know and I, I think one thing that we need to you know we need to take a step back and Really, we need to apologize to Big Ben because we looked at that team and said, like, you know, they uh, we we had said the you know, you. at the end of last offseason saying, thank God he's retiring because you know now that team has a chance of being a playoff team. He actually kind of seemed like he was doing something pretty, you know, like you know, hindsight being twenty twenty. Big Ben doesn't seem so bad, and you know, outside looking in, Corey, I think you take last season's Big Ben than what you've seen out of the quarterbacks this year. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, 
It's still early on Pickett. I, I do like what Pickett did this week. I think his receivers didn't help him out, dropping too many balls you know, that they could have and in many cases should have caught. But yes, I think that Ben Rossberg's experience, he eventually is able to get the point like, look, Matt Canada, stand on the sidelines, look pretty. I'm going to take over this team. And they'd pull out like a 20 to 17 victory because he threw two touchdown passes in the fourth quarter after the offense did nothing the first three. Um, and yeah. It, you know, and listen, Kenny Pickett, God, this was trial by fire. I don't think there's many defenses that I'd rather not have. Like, you know, I, I can't think of any other defense that I do not want my rookie quarterback to go against. Yep. Maybe the Patriots defense, just because Bill Belichick loves toying with uh, with rookies. But uh, you know, like the personnel in Buffalo is a trial by fire. Than, than the New England. The, 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 the number was, one defense in the league. I mean, this, yeah. yeah, Buffalo was an absolute wagon. You know, we we knew that after the opening night, uh, you know, you know, curb stomp on the, you know, on the Rams. That, that was, that was just, a, you know, that set the tone for what we were going to see. Uh, you know, and, and they, they had the, you know, they, they had the game against Miami where they, you know, they obviously lost. But that was um, also a 95 you know, that, that, degree weather in Miami in September. Humid. It, it's just, I was going to yeah, I it, get it. it. It can happen. You know, it happens to the Patriots all, you know, the Tom Brady led Patriots all the time when we used to go down there and, you know, it would be the, the end of season, you know, by the bye week is on the, uh, you know, the, the, obtaining the bye week is on the, you know, is, is on the radar and you lose to, you lose to Miami. I get it. It happens, but you know, still, I, I, I just don't, you know, I think the bills, if I were to, you know, come up with my power, you know, my power rankings right now, I think the bills are the top, you know, top, even after that loss. And I don't know how you, you know, I don't know how anybody justifies. Otherwise I would say this week coming up with the bills and chiefs, this might be the, you know, to me, the, this might be one of the best games since that uh, Chiefs Rams game from a few years back uh, on Monday Night Football. That was wild. when it was you know final score fifty six fifty five kind of thing. This might be you know this might just be this is must watch TV to me. Uh, you know it's a four o'clock game. I'm amazed the NFL didn't uh, flex that to the Sunday Night matchup. That's just poor play. They were on, on NBC part, last year. I think CBS wants the coverage. This is the only game in the four twenty five. Okay, so the whole yeah. country gets to watch them anyway. That's that's much must watch television for me. Uh, you know, I think that's a that's going to be a spectacular game. You know, it, you know, Brian, it's you know, it's like the uh, you know, as you you pointed out, you know, trying to pick which one you like more. It's the unstoppable force meeting the immovable object. The two of them, you know, not to say that I you know either defense is you know this world class defense, but they're both both offenses can just do what they want. Uh, you know, in Kansas City without Tyreek Hill, they've they, they've been a little bit different, but they you know, yeah, you know they, they still have they haven't produ- Kansas City their receivers haven't produced as much as I thought they would, but like I mean, none of them are Tyreek Hill, of course, but I thought they'd be getting a little bit more production. They did get a little bit yesterday, but yeah, but they're still getting a lot from Kelsey, and yeah, both offenses, both Buffalo and KC, they're both still two of the most elite offenses in the league, and it's definitely going to be a really fun and very likely high scoring game on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, that, that's definitely going to be, you know, one of the marquee matchups early in the season and certainly get out plenty of ramifications as the season progresses uh, with those two teams fighting for the number one seed in the AFC. Um, I guess with that, let's kind of shift focus to a different AFC East team. And uh, like the Steelers, Patriots played in a blowout. Unlike the Steelers, they came out on the winning end of it. Yeah. 29 to nothing victory. And, uh, I guess I just have one question for the two of you. If you're zappy and you know it, clap your hands. Because Bailey Zappy, 17 for 21, 188 <laughs> yards, touchdown, just one pick. Is there a quarterback controversy in New England right now? The only well, thing when I you have MV, when you have MV Zappy on your team, there better be a controversy, right? 
<laughs> uh, Corey, the only thing I want to correct there, interception on the stat book, that was a fumble. I'm sorry. You know, it's, it, it, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, he, he, take away that interception on the, you know, on the stat line, put an asterisk next to it, whatever you need to do. That wasn't, wasn't Zapp, Zappy's fault. And, you know, frankly, the Nelson only reason. I, played seven snaps and that's what you get. Out of the, the, the only reason I want to point that out is because besides that, he played a fairly flawless game. They were, you know, they were throws that unlike, you know, I, we, we saw this last year with Mac Jones, you know, he had one of the best uh, completion percentages out of uh, quarterbacks and, you know, out of all, you know, rookie quarterbacks, uh, Belichick knows how to, you know, knows how to play with, you know, backups. You know, he, he had a, he had an almost playoff season with Matt Castle when the year Tom Brady went down, uh, when and they Brady went 11 started, and five, they should have made a playoff any team. year that would have been a playoff team. Uh, you know, they, with, uh, um, Jimmy Garoppolo, they were able, you know, they, they did what they had to do. Jacoby, even when Jimmy Garoppolo went down with Jacoby Brissett, you know, third stringer, Belichick, can, you know, Belichick can put, put together a serviceable team, no matter what I look, what they did with Cam Newton, you know, it, it, they they still were decent enough. Uh, Belichick can put together a decent you know a decent team around a you know a, you know any any guy. But I the only thing I want to say about this game can we stop with the victory laps about Bailey Zapp? We played the worst ranked defense that halfway through the game lost all of their secondary, literally all of their secondary. That's the one thing you know. I'm not waving any flags you know any Patriots flags over this. The the Lions you know they the it's the Lions. Yeah, the Lions are a fun story, but they're they're still not a great football team and they're, they're even worse than I, I, I wasn't thinking like, Oh, they're going to be a sneaky playoff team, but I did think they could be a team that could win even six games. And they don't even look like a, they, they, they look, they still look like a bottom tier football team right now. And yeah, even though they had the number one scoring offense through, through the first month of the season, they had the number 32 overall defense in the league. And it showed in that game where they're giving up 29 points to, a third string quarterback and I'll admit I'm, I'm kind of on the zappy train, but I'll admit it's kind of just trolling just, just because I'll admit I'm, I'm not as high on Mac Jones as most Patriots fans, but, but I will say Bailey Zappi for the situation that he's been thrown into. I think he's done a pretty good job. Just the first NFL action he's seen in regular season uh, format. He had to go into Lambeau field in the middle of the game, uh, and they almost pulled out the victory in that game, and and then they shut out the Lions. And I think I think Bailey Zappi he's doing he's doing his job. Like there's always that phrase, "Do your job" in New England. So he's taking care of the football for the most part. And the only again, like you mentioned, Will, the one turnover wasn't even his fault. And so yeah, so I so far I like what I uh, like what I've seen. And there is they do have an easy schedule for these next few weeks. Uh, so, uh, I like what I've seen so far from Bailey and hopefully keep it up. I would say the upcoming schedule for the Patriots is like a blessing and a curse and that it could kind of get this team in a good spot. But if they start dropping some of these games, like to the Browns or to the Jets or to the Colts, you're like, oh, they're not a great football team. Um, I don't know if you can definitively say the Patriots are better than them. And then when the schedule gets tougher with those primetime games, like, you know, the Patriots might be in the same spot as the Steelers at that point. So. Mm -hmm. This is like this is a game that they needed to show that they're not a terrible football team. Now, I don't think the Patriots are great by any means, but they had to win this game because if they didn't win this game, that that would have just shown that they're like a bottom tier, one of the worst teams in the league kind of team. 
Yeah, but and I think the way they like did that, it, especially shutting them out, yeah, that shows you that they're still a competent football team that can at least be in the mix, uh, you know, come the end end of the season. Brian, I, d- I definitely agree with that. I, I had said to a friend before this game started, I, I said it was a must-win game. You know, you, you still have two games against the Bills. You have one game against the uh, the Dolphins and two games against the Jets. The Jets aren't the Jets we used to know. They're, you know, it's it's they're not a cakewalk anymore. You, yeah, it's not a it's, total pushover team. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just yeah. gonna say you split. You know, you split with the Jets. You probably lose the you know, the second game to Miami, and then you. I, I'm just gonna go out there. You're gonna lose both games to the Bills. Uh, you know, you at that point, you know, that's that's uh, you know, five more or yeah, five more four more losses there. Now your team is, you know, no matter what you do for the rest of the season, starting off right there, you're two and seven. And, you know, if you lose this week, you know, you're two and eight or, you know, one and eight. And now, you know, that's that's you're not coming back from that. You're not, you know, you're not, you're not winning out against everybody else and, you know, making it to the playoffs with a ten, uh, with a nine and eight record. You know, that that's it, it feels weird to say it was a must win game, but it really was, even though it's only week five. Uh, coming into that coming into that game but it really sets the table for the rest of the season if you do lose that game because if, if you lose a game like that you're you're one and four and you're with the Steelers and yeah, I mean that was what the Steelers <laughs> went into the Jets game against it was a must win and they lost and then you know schedule gets tougher and that's kind of the you know, the Patriots not until November I think Thanksgiving when the schedule really starts to get tough for them but uh, yeah, I mean, I think these upcoming games are hugely important for the Patriots. We saw last year they were two and four, one seven in a row. They have an opportunity to go on a similar winning streak before the schedule gets tougher. But uh, I mean, yeah, we'll just have to see what we continue to get from this team. And I think that you have to be encouraged by the results of this game because you know, shutting out the number one scoring offense in the league. I know it's the Lions, but they've been a great football team on the offensive side of the ball. And I think that as much of this game was kind of about the Patriots' offense. Uh, dominance i think it also is about the lions and just kind of a reality check for this team because everyone is really riding high on them for a few weeks it really going into the season i think there's a strong belief that dan campbell is making somewhat of a winning culture in detroit you know as much of a winning culture you can have for a 313 and one football team and i think that we're just realizing now that ah i don't know this team is much further away than we thought that's a great point because they were as likable as a like what you said three thirteen and one football team as you could have. Where I I remember last year where even though their record was terrible, I'm watching a lot of these games like wow, you know they're really in it in these games and they're really playing for 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 Dan Campbell and very likable guy. But it is a reality check that even though he's a very likable personality and the players play for him, he's probably not cut out to be an NFL head coach i'm not saying a coach at all but but in a head coach yeah it, it's probably i'm sure at some point not this year but maybe next year at some point if if they still continue to lose like this that at some point that they'd have to move on to another guy yeah, I, I personally I, I like what they're building in detroit i mean i i, I you know i i kind of relate it to the uh the, the early days of brian flores down in miami i liked what i liked what he was building down there you know he came into a losing culture it's you're, you that's not the type of thing you can change overnight you know you trade you they trade away matt stafford that's a you know you're punting you know you get jared goff like you're not winning with jared goff like that was clear that's why the rams didn't want him you know but besides that their draft hard not to love 
you know, they, they got the, you know, they got two of the best guys at their positions healthy. Uh, you know, so I, I think they did. I think they did a. Yeah, I, I like what they're building down there, and they're, I don't they're, think this year was it. But I think it's I, if if they can get the defense figured out, and you know, granted, re- remember, you know, you're, you're without DeAndre Swift. You're you're without uh, you know Will, uh, Williams. Who's Amon still, Ra you know, missed a missed yeah. a game. You know, it's uh, with that said. You know, I, I just don't think that the, I don't think that the the Lions are as you know they're they're not you know it's not a holy cow Dan Campbell's in over his head. I actually like what he's doing down there. I you know I think there's reason for optimism. You know having the number one offense is a reason for optimism. You can if you can get that defense to a fifth you know to average, you now have a team, especially in that AFC North or the NFC North. And they have pieces. Obviously Hutchinson drafting him number two overall. Even though the defensive numbers have not shown it, uh, he he's he's. He makes an impact on their defense, and then Jeff Okuda, they drafted th- third overall a couple years ago. He has been dealing with injuries, but if he stays healthy, he certainly can produce for their defense. And yeah, they just they definitely need to add more to that to that defense after those two guys. But like you said, well, if they if they show they're an average defense and continue to produce offensively outside of that New England game, I think. I think there there would be hope for the Lions. Like they are, they are moving the the right direction. It, it seems like, but maybe at the at the same time, like Corey said, that maybe people were overrating them too much just because they're this very likable team, um, especially Dan Campbell, and then Hard Knocks, Hard Knocks definitely yeah. playing a factor. But no, yeah, I mean so, that's my whole point. It's not necessarily that I don't think the Lions are moving in the right direction. I just don't think that they're ahead of schedule. They're, they're like a lot of people were like, starting to believe. Oh, so yeah, playoff I mean, team overnight. And yeah. I was yeah, I was trying to be cautious with this team. And the crazy thing is, I feel like my biggest reason to criticize them was that I just didn't think that Jared Goff was good enough to win them games. And you know, I know they're one and four, but he hasn't necessarily been. But the he's problem. actually been the one producing. You know, he's, he struggled he's against the Patriots, but yeah, he was awesome against the Seahawks, even without Brown and Swift and DJ Chark. So I think that uh, you can almost like he's buying himself into maintaining his status as the guy in this team, which I think would be kind of good for the Lions if they can focus on the defense in the draft, and not have to worry about adding a top quarterback and then you know relying on free agency to fill some of those holes. Because I don't know that. Detroit has had a ton of success in uh, the free agency department when it comes to big time contracts. So, um, yeah, I mean, basically my thought is that the Lions are, yes, moving in the right direction. Like, there is reason for optimism. I just think that they're not going to get to the point where they're an actual playoff team again until Dan Campbell is no longer the head coach. I think he's perfect for a rebuild. I just don't know that he's going to be the guy who's going to make them actually the win for football For them to games. be a, a, really, a real winning football team. Yes. Corey and Brian, to kind of tie these past two topics together, who would you rather be right now in the exact position, the Steelers or the Lions? I mean, I, hey, putting you guys on the spot thinking about yeah. it, but you know, I, I think it's, it's a, a good, good way a good to question, think of it. Though. I think the only reason you could pick the Steelers is because you think that the Steelers already have their franchise quarterback in Kenny Pickett and that's the what, Lions. It's a and that's why I was going to pick the Lions, because what if what if Kenny Pickett is not the guy? And uh, Yeah, I mean, that is a... yeah. That is a question to answer. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that you can really go with either direction. I You can all say the Lions because, like you said, the NFC North is not a great division. You know, the Packers no. look like they're, you know, reaching the end of their dominance. Uh, I'm still not fully convinced that the Vikings are anything more than a playoff contender. And the Bears are 
definitely not further <laughs> along than the Lions. Uh, so uh, the fact that they have two wins is a miracle. Uh, yeah, and and then but no, that's a good point though. That Cincinnati is still they're still good, even though the record might not say it. And then Baltimore is still definitely good. With yeah, I mean, Lamar all three and... of Cincinnati, Baltimore, Cleveland are going to be in the conversation for some le- yeah. level of contention moving forward. So, I mean, if you want to throw out all the various factors, and you probably would say Detroit. But if you want to focus strictly on quarterback and head coach, then, you know, I think you can say, yeah, I guess I'd rather have Mike Tomlin and, you know, believe that Kenny Pickett is the guy, which, you know, at this point I'm far from convinced that he's not. I'm not going to say after one start in Buffalo that he is the guy, but I, I feel good about him right now. It's really just everything else that makes me question that team. That being said, you know, is, is Aiden Hutchinson, how does he compare to TJ Watt? They don't have a make of Fitzpatrick in that secondary, so I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I just don't want to admit that uh, I'd rather be the Lions. Than the <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, I know that one thing that uh, Will you love doing is opining about football and really sports in general. And I thought that you know, for our kind of extra segment beyond our um, game reactions, would just be kind of an open forum to talk about various things from week five and really just the start of the season that have kind of caught our eye and we really want to discuss and uh, you know give our opinions on. So I guess we'll, we'll let you kind of throw out your first couple topics here. I think my biggest surprise so far this pre you know, this season, you know, and I think, you know, across the NFL, uh, the hot seat Jalen hurts leading that team to, uh, you know, five and zero. last year, they were talking about, is he a real quarterback? You know, is it like, are, you know, are they, are they going to be, uh, you know, back in the lottery for a, you know, for a new quarterback next year? Jalen Hurts looks like it. You know, I mean, maybe he's, you know, maybe he's just a, you know, kind of like that fun quarterback to watch, you know, is, you know, just a good, you know, a decent fantasy football uh, producer. You know, that's about it. I don't, you know, he, the jury's still out whether or not he can be the guy to get you over the hump or, you know, even get you to the, you know, get you into the playoffs and win a couple of rounds. But, I don't know. I, I that's the big, you know, to me that's the biggest surprise. I I think they, you know, the, the Eagles have done a nice job. You know, it, it, AJ Brown made a huge addition to that team. I didn't think that they were a wide receiver away. I, I thought that was kind of a, you know, a bad trade when it happened. But I don't know. I, I something about that team just looks different this year, and you know, it, it seems like they're just kind of hitting their stride at the right point. Um, you know, so I. I, I don't know if they're real. I don't know if the you know they'll even come out of the uh you know the the NFC East. But to me, that's one of the biggest surprises this year is just the you know that that Eagles team. Oh, I'm definitely high on the Eagles for sure, I, and I I do think the AJ Brown trade was was awesome for them. And yeah, maybe the contract is a little much, but I do think they're actually a re- receiver way because they have Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner. But after that, it really wasn't much. Like last year, they it was like Jalen Rieger, who that was a bad pick, and then they had Arcega Whiteside, and was it three years Quez in a row Watkins. of first round picks spent on wide receivers? Is that uh, didn't didn't they spend a couple you know a couple uh, first so, round picks? So yeah, on Rieger was, was their first round pick right in a row, couple years but... ago, and they took him before Justin Jefferson, which was just yeah, just Nelson Aguilar was the first round pick in 2015. Yeah, no, I think Whiteside too. was a second round pick. You know, so, yeah, so, so heck, if, if you can if you can trade a couple first round picks, it's going to save them a whole lot of uh, you know first round picks in the future. It's kind of like, exactly. You know, the I like the trade because I was like, <laughs> they suck at drafting. Might as well take a known commodity. <laughs> um, 
So going into the season, we did our AFC NFC's preview. I thought that Jalen Hurts was under the most pressure of any quarterback in the NFC East, arguably the entire league, because I believe that the Eagles were a Super Bowl contender if Jalen Hurts showed that he could be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And it's only five games in this season. They haven't played the toughest schedule to this point. You know, the Cardinals, this was their most difficult opponent, in my opinion, maybe the Vikings, but the Vikings game is at home, if that's any type and of And it was a prime time, which... Uh, yeah, Kirk prime time, Kirk Cousins. It's not but a good combination. No, I mean, I'm fully sold on the Eagles at this point. I think overall, the NFC East as a whole is surprising. Brian and I look like idiots for writing off the Cowboys after one week. All they've oh, done yeah. is win four in a row with Cooper Rush as their backup quarterback. And I, I don't say regret that, it, but it's, it is kind of wild. Their defense like might be the best yeah, their in defense the league. is it something is, that I did not take seriously enough. I... It is incredible just like how great of a defensive coordinator Dan Quinn is, given how not great of a how head coach. How terrible of a head coach he is. is. Like, oh, so. no, but that's that's a good point because you can be, you can suck as a head coach, but still be a great coordinator. Yeah, and I think there are plenty of guys that fit that bill. And um, Dan Quinn is certainly one of those up there. Micah Parsons, maybe Defensive Player of the Year at this point. He's a stud. And And, I think this week kind of showed that, uh, you know, Cooper Rush, he he can hold his own. He can win you a game. But he threw like 100 passing yards. Like he, he was not the reason why the Cowboys won this game. But he wasn't, he didn't do anything to hurt them. He played better than Matthew Safford when it came down to it, who just looks like a shell of the guy who won the Super Bowl last year. So I think the Cowboys are very much for real. And then the Giants at four and one. I think that, you know, there's reason to be intrigued by them with a new head coach and Brian Dable, but they have absolutely overachieved far more than the Eagles have. Uh, given I still that. don't know what to think about the Giants because they've had such an easy schedule and they still they do. They have, yeah. No, the but, whole division did, is There was a team schedule. that I, I'm not going to act like I thought they'd be a playoff team, but I did think that there was potential for that team. To be to be pretty good, uh, with the coaching addition and also just subtraction, like not having Joe Judge anymore, and then adding Brian Dayball, someone who's been in Buffalo for several years, and so I thought there'd be potential, but I didn't think they'd be four and one at this point, which is just uh just remarkable for them to be four and one. And the <laughs> look, I I think they did a great job versus Green Bay in London, obviously in that second half, but it also shows that Green Bay is like I like I'd imagine overrated uh especially not have i I was gonna say this is like the dang twilight zone you know we we were just talking about the 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 ease of the schedule for or you know the the ease of the conference for the lions and the nfc north you know and right now the nfc like it it seems like we've you know it's freaky friday with the nfc east and the uh nfc north switching you know switching sides you know (laughs) a couple years ago you had an nfc east team making the playoffs with a losing record not that far removed now you know and now you have uh you know a five and oh team two four and ones and they're still they're the commanders are still the commanders but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah no i mean the nfc says look relatively legit i do understand that you know the strength of schedule is a factor but i think that's also going to lead to all three of these teams being legitimate playoff contenders for most of the season and you know we'll see what happens when Dak comes back if dallas takes a leap forward or you know, if they kind of look like that team week one who only scored three points against the Bucs, I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. I think that their ceiling is much higher with Dak Prescott and he's going to be a welcome return, but uh, certainly something to at least consider there. And then, of course, with the Giants, you know, how long can they keep it up? Because they've run the ball well. They've made do with not great defensive talent. You know, Wink Martindale has gotten the most out of that team, but... 
you know, they they are still the New York the, Giants. Yeah, they, they're, and, they're, know, not, they're not they're still not getting enough. They're not built uh, to be a playoff team. Offense so. besides Saquon, uh, Kadarius Tony has been hurt all year. Kenny Galladay is a putt. <laughs> I mean, they're they're starting practice squad wide receivers right now. Like it's it's really and, bad. And, yeah, so they're they're not getting enough out of the other options on offense besides Saquon. But so the fact that they're four and one, uh, when you factor that in, is 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 pretty crazy. Yeah. So, well, I think there's another team you want to talk about. Yeah, you know, the, the last team I just wanted to you know bring bring light to was the uh, the the Jaguars. You know, they're they're not sitting that you know. They're sitting at two and three this year. Nothing, you know, nothing spectacular. But Trevor Lawrence, you know, he he's reverted back to you know what everybody why he was drafted number one overall. Why everyone he was you know one of the best uh, QB prospects coming out of the, uh, you know coming out of college in a long time. And I think what we can all take away from this is Urban Meyer sucks. <laughs> <laughs> at least as an NFL coach, yeah. It's it, I mean, the, like you know, he sure he had success in college, but like. What a, you know, like if, if I've learned anything from what the Jaguars have done so far, it's that what a dumpster fire that team was with Urban Meyer. And, you know, if, if I'm the Jaguars, I'm contacting the attorney general of uh, Florida to figure out if I can place uh, theft charges on Urban Meyer for you know, the, 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 the lackluster season that was, you know, again, they're not spectacular. They're, they're, they have a losing record. I'm not willing to crown them the new, you know, the, the new team to beat in the AFC or even the AFC South. It's just a, you know, it's it's just they're they're a fun team to watch from what they were last year. And Trevor Lawrence, you know, once you know, he, he in my opinion now is looking like the, you know, what he was that made him the first overall pick, and you know, one of the, you know, what made him so dominant in college. Yeah, they look like an actual football team now. But I, w- I will say, kind of like. So we talked about like the Lions where there's kind of a reality check with them after these first five weeks. I think there was kind of a reality check with Jacksonville, though, after losing to Houston. Big time reality check. Where I think after four weeks, it was like, wow, the Jags, they look like the favorites to win the AFC South. But then all of a sudden they lose to Houston at home. And it's like, all right. Yeah. Ninth straight time they've lost to the Texans. Like they're, they're just, yeah, they're the same, not the same team. But yes, I think that. I agree with that statement with the Lions. I think it was easy to be like, oh, the Jaguars are a playoff team after they went out and destroyed the Chargers in the game. Justin Herbert probably shouldn't have played. Um, you know, put up a fight against the Eagles. But then, yeah, I think that this week was uh, not a great showing for them in that regard. So uh, I guess just like quick question on that. Who's your uh, AFC South favorite right now? Brian, I refuse to pick the Titans. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll pick the Colts. I'm just not going to give up. I'm not going to give up yet because even though they look terrible, uh, they're not. They're only a game behind or a half game. Half behind. game behind, yeah. So I'm just, I'm just going to keep. I'm just going to stay with the Colts just because that's who I picked. But I mean, I don't, I don't feel good about it. But I just refuse to pick the Titans. And again, the Jags. I think, I, I think the Jags will still be pretty good. But last week was a reality check for them and. I'm just gonna pick the Colts. Just that's because of who I picked. <laughs> I I think you know, I I I, I kind of want to laugh at myself for saying this, but I think I'm taking the Jags. You know, just, just no, up, it's, pulling up the standings right now. You know, and looking at the Colts only have only scored 69 points. Like, oh, their offense is a train wreck. Well, their though. offense is. There, there's no way they're winning that brutal. division. Like, you yeah, know, Matt it, Ryan has been a downgrade from Carson Watts. It, which is, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like really? <laughs> I love how they're 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 o two and one in the 
their division, the worst division in football, but they're two and zero versus the AFC West. Yeah, I, I one mean, of the you, best. You, you mentioned the Jaguars' strength of schedule, losing to the Texans. Like, all right, it's it's a division foe. You know, the the Jaguar, you know, the Jaguars' offense couldn't get rolling there for whatever reason. They hung in there with the Eagles, who were five and zero. They demolished the Chargers. They pantsed the Colts. And they lost to the Commanders. You know, it's it's been a very up and down year. It seems like they're still kind of putting out feelers. We're, if you told me that they'd have two losses uh, through, or, or excuse me, three losses. Is it they're two and they're three? two and three? Two and three. Yeah, yeah they're two and three. They lost to the Eagles, but like if you told me two of those losses to be to the Commanders and Texans, I wouldn't have guessed <laughs> it, that. I, I especially with wins over the Colts and the Chargers. If if yeah. you told me at the beginning of the season that they were going to beat the Colt, the Jaguars were going to beat the Colts and the Chargers in the first five weeks, I would have said that they were five and zero. Oh. You know, it, it, truly, like you know, you, you think about that. Like the beginning of the year, Commanders dumpster fire, Texans dumpster fire, uh, Eagles. I kind of thought they were a dumpster fire going into the year, but you know, that, I guess that was just underappreciating, you know, what they, you know, what missing piece they had. Okay, so can I do a quick timeout? Because your bold prediction for the NFC East is that the Cowboys would miss the playoffs. Who did you have winning the division then? I think I might Did you have the Eagles or were they? I think I might have had the Giants. I think in my head I had a scenario where the... In yeah, my, I, I wish we talked about where the, the entire NFC East. You, had, you the probably had the seven and ten Commanders, <laughs> yeah, or something right, like, like that. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think I think I did overvalue the Commanders a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I I thought I thought Carson Wentz would make them a little better than they were. I you know, I, I thought I, I thought, thought they, I thought the Commanders would be a decent football team. Like, yeah, been a big I, I think I think they might have been my my who I thought was gonna you know walk away with the division, but obviously yeah. here we are. You know. Yeah, it's easy for me to say now, but I I did have them last entering the year, but I I did like them last entering last year. So that, I, yeah. I I I, I kind of learned from last year that they're not as good as I thought they'd be, especially defensively. Their so defense like I a had huge step back. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah, why I mean, I'm going last coming in the year. Titans have won three in a row. I think things were looking bleak those first two weeks, and a lot losing the Giants was bad. Getting blown out by the Bills was really bad, but I I think that the Titans are kind of starting to find their own. I think Ryan Tannehill has recovered from that week two benching. I think Derrick Henry has shown he still has the ability to be a top running back um, at various points this season. So I do still I don't feel bad at all about my Titans pick to win the division, mostly because you know the Colts have been not so good and i think the no. jaguars are kind of sneaking up on you for a bit but coming off this loss to the texans is hard for me to take them extremely seriously but obviously they've shown that they can hang with some really good teams or presumably good teams at least so brian how about we turn it to you uh what are some things that you would love to talk about in the world of the nfl well one thing i would like to bring up uh is some of the questionable coaching decisions that have been uh, have been going on, but especially this past weekend, with starting with Thursday night football, Indianapolis versus Denver, a game where I thought would be would not be fun to watch, and it was even worse than I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to the point. Have you have you guys ever seen a movie so bad that it was actually good? <laughs> That's how I, I mean, felt about that game. Where I was like, "This is so bad that it, it was it nine to nine." The McLaughlin hit the game time field goal, and they were heading to overtime, and the Broncos fans were leaving. They were leaving, <laughs> they were leaving the game. It was going into overtime, and they're like, "Leaving, we yeah. can't, I can't take this anymore." And <laughs> it like, just... 
It was 9.30 mountain time. This wasn't like this was midnight and they were leaving the game. Like, they, <laughs> you know, even if you have to work Friday, like, it's yeah, and going so, to overtime. Yeah. So, yeah, so the Broncos have just looked so bad. And then overtime happens and the Colts are up 12 to 9. And the Broncos have the ball and they're, there's two minutes left. But either way, like, they field goal to tie the game, uh, touchdown to win. And it's fourth and one. And he decided to go for it instead of getting the field goal. He decided so they're to go at the five it. yard line. I think that's worth clarifying here. Yeah. So the so that happens, and they they get the incomplete pass, and the game's over. And Denver just looks so bad. And I I I I've said I've said this since week one that I don't think Nathaniel Hackett is a is a good coach whatsoever. I think he's an absolute moron. I'm running out of adjectives to call <laughs> Nathaniel Hackett like terrible as a head coach and i i did not uh i will say i didn't i didn't love it but at the same time you could make a case that like hey you you want to win the game but and maybe the blame probably should go more to russell wilson yeah i have no problem with them going for it kj hamler was wide open but he didn't look his way at all and it shows you that russell wilson is just cursed uh at the goal line i I, (laughs) Um, yeah i think that was just a bad play bad execution on the broncos part i think it was the right call to go for the win there because i don't think Mm -hmm. they would feel satisfied with a tie no one wants to tie a game and when you're on the five yard line i don't blame them at all for going for it i think you could say why didn't you run the ball or why did you do a pass yeah, play out that, of shotgun? That, so yeah, I maybe think, the decision to go for it was yeah. it was the right call, but to 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 do a pass. Like, did you see one yard? I mean, Richard. No, Stern, I get I it. Was Passing out of attack. shotgun. Oh, I know. I know. I <laughs> like it. run the ball. Learn. But from again, your it's one of those where it ended up being a great play call because Kaja Hammer had a wide open touchdown. It was just bad execution on Russell Wilson's part. And I, so I don't as, know what the read was. I obviously assumed it was to the left side and not where Hamler was. But I think that that's one where. Yes, I think running the ball, you could very much make a case for that, you know, given how all the Broncos have been running the ball in that drive. But I, that's they a tough Javante one. They did lose Javante for the year, and Melvin yeah. Gordon has had his fumbling issues, but uh, it's still one yard. Like I, I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm taking my chances no, I get on. It. I'm taking my chances on running it, or at least and... play action. Why are you going to do a pass out of shotgun just yeah, advertise what you're doing? Like that to me is the bigger issue there. So as, as much as I hate Hackett and think he should be fired, I, I will say in that moment, I think. I think I think I think Wilson probably deserves more blame, uh, and it, it's crazy how how bad he's looked. I, I thought I thought Russell Wilson. I mean, there was there are definitely people on one side where like he's he's completely washed, and then there's the other side where he would cook. And I thought even though I was higher on the Chargers and Chiefs, uh, I still thought the Broncos would be a good offense. And uh, outside of like maybe Sutton, uh, they have not looked good whatsoever on offense. Yeah, they're uh, still, so a, still a quarterback away. When, when that trade well. happened, you know, everybody, you know, the, the, the immediate you know feedback was, oh, imagine Russell Wilson with uh, Sutton and Judy and Javante uh, Williams. I mean, it's not like he was coming from, you know, the, the you know a quarterback that was thrown to the Patriots receiver groups. Like, you know, and he DK was throwing Metcalf, DK and Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, yeah. and he had Chris Carson running the ball. You know, I would say, well, if anything, my, like... Well, my problem with the, the Seahawks is that they... They ran it too way too much, uh, and their offensive, In their line, offensive line. Russell really Wilson bad. was playing. Yes, he has great receivers, but his offensive line is always getting him killed. And now I'm wondering at this point, Denver's offensive line he, is, has he taken too many hits? Has he taken too many hits from Seattle to now what he looks like in Denver, where he looks like he looks cooked rather than actually 
I don't think it's I, I don't think it's the you know like I don't think it's the fact you know the, the fact that he's been hit too much like I just think he's like he is he's cooked like you know I, I think it's just, I think it's that he's like he, you know Pete Carroll saw that he you know, I I think Pete Carroll saw that he was declining and said you know what let me let me get what I can while I can uh you know I I I want to say that Russell Wilson went healthy last year put up uh went went seven and eight. Uh, you know, something along those lines, maybe six. The Seahawks, yeah, they were a seven and ten team. He also I, played games injured, so it's I, tough to, to say but, exactly. But still, when he's healthy, you know, but yeah, he he put he put together. I want to say I'm going to just say six and eight. You know, I, I could be wrong on the exact record, but he put together a losing record last year. I don't think that Seahawks. You know, I don't think that Seahawks team. It was because he didn't have the weapons. And you know, he goes to uh, Denver, and it's you know instant you know Super Bowl favorites. And I just didn't love it because I, you know, I, I thought it was more of, you know, I thought it was more of a, you know, weapon, you know, lateral movement weapon wise in a huge decline at coach, you know, a huge regression at coach. Like, I'm sorry. I love Pete Carroll. I think he's a great, co- a great coach. Yeah. I didn't even factor in Nathaniel Hackett and as no, like I, a oh, I didn't possibility. <laughs> didn't even occur to me that, oh, this guy, his successes were as Aaron Rodgers offensive coordinator like (laughs) you know that should have been like a kind of a red flag um no I definitely didn't do enough research into Hackett or else I would have very much been like yeah I don't believe in this Broncos team I don't think that they're a huge upgrade um with Russell Wilson or good enough upgrade that uh they're gonna be able to compete with some of these other teams in the AFC and their their offense has not looked any better than it has in the past couple seasons with Drew Locke and others leading the way so Teddy Bridgewater like it's it's been bad yeah yeah, I I just I thought I I I thought for many years that like all right, Bronc the Broncos have a good defense and they're quarterback away and that's that's why I like this move. I, well, they gave up a lot, so maybe I I don't want to say I was like all for it because it was a lot and you certainly could question Russell Wilson's decline a little bit, but I I just thought with so Will, you mentioned the weapons. Like, yeah, I would probably make a case that the receivers uh even though Sutton and Judy are good, you could actually make a case that it declined like weapons wise. Cause I, I, cause I think DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are awesome. And so you can make a case that they declined a little bit there, but I just thought he was getting better O line. Uh, he was going to be on a team that was willing to uh, have, you know, pass more. And then a, a defense that was just much better. Like I know the Seahawks, they had the Legion of boom, but like these last several years, their defense has not been remotely the same as it was when they were winning Super Bowls. And so, and I think the Broncos do have a good defense and I think that it, and they've shown it in these first, first five games, but their offense is not clicked at all really I was, whatsoever. I, I was going to say they're besides the Raiders game, they, you know, they're averaging, uh, the, the defense has allowed 17 points, nine points, 10 points and 12 points. Like, Oh, and they they played the Colts uh, last week and the Detroit Lions, they've scored more points than the two of them combined. <laughs> like, just to show you how bad they have been offensively. And uh, I, I hate watch. I hate watching that team right now. They, they, and are, they just keep throwing them on prime time. I'm not even a Broncos fan whatsoever. Like, I don't hate them or love them or anything, but I can't stand watching them. I hate that they're in prime. They're in prime time again. They play yeah, on Monday this night this week. Football. Monday night football. First, uh, first another team that has <laughs> some co- questionable coaching decisions. Uh, yep. We saw in this past Chargers Browns game where the Chargers were winning by two, and it was fourth and two, was it? Like it in was their own territory. Fourth and two from I believe their forty-eight yard line. And I think uh, so. When it comes to Brandon Staley, you know him and Nathaniel Hackett. I, I 
I like to think Brandon Staley is, I think, I think, or at least I thought he was smarter than Hackett, but he just takes, he takes an, the analytical approach way too far. And it just shows again in the, in this game where he goes for it in his own territory on fourth and short and they turn the ball over and, and you got freaking Keenan Allen watching from his couch tweeting, what the F are we doing? Uh. <laughs> and, and that. I don't know what they were. He was thinking in that moment, and they they won, but it should have cost them a loss. And he'd be getting way more flack for it if they did lose that game. And I was all in on the Chargers this year. I don't regret it, but I will say, like, if there was one thing I worry about, it was Brandon Steely making bonehead decisions on fourth down, and it showed it showed already in Week Five, and. Uh, I, I, even though they won that game, like that was such a horrible, horrible decision, and should have cost them that win. As much as I hate, you know, the the Bill Belichick and press conferences of the the, the grunting and just being a, uh, you know, just just being a, a jerk to every question that's ever been asked of him, is it's one thing, Brian. As Patriots fans, we need to you know still appreciate is that we don't have these boneheads of coaches. Oh yeah, we, you know that, that that really just you know make these week in and week out questions of why do you still have a job? <laughs> uh, no, I was questioning that uh, after that game. It's like, why, why the, uh, how can you go for that? So I remember, Will, I remember a dozen years ago, Patriots were playing the Colts, Sunday Night football, and they were at a fourth and short situation in their own territory. And it was 34 to 28 versus the Colts. And Belichick did not want to give the ball back to Peyton, but then they threw it to Kevin Falk and he was short. They turned the ball over on downs, and Peyton, and the Peyton Manning and the Colts, they drove down the field and won the game. Well, they had to go thirty and yards. So, so there's a similar situation there, but Peyton Manning's a Hall of Fame quarterback. You're facing Jacoby. I like Jacoby, Jacoby, I like Jacoby Brissett, but he's not gonna drive down the field uh, to win we you a football saw it game. Literally on the possession before that, Jacoby Brissett. I don't agree that he could have walked into the end zone, but he could have ran for a first down, or at the very least gone down and the Browns kick a field goal to go ahead and he forces a pass straight to the Chargers linebacker I don't know what he saw there that was but yeah, I think that, was that not a good, yeah and I think that decision. play just kind of showed why the Chargers shouldn't have been afraid even with their defense and they you should know, have just how bad things away look right now you would have made Jacoby Brissett have to drive 60 yards with 60 under a yards with no time out. 10, which is what He happened, tried to do that right? against the Jets and he ended up throwing a pick. No doubt in my mind the same thing would have happened. And instead you only need they only need to get one if first just, down to try a field goal. They got lucky that Cade York missed a 54 yarder. That's what it came That's down why to. you dropped a kicker though, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, honestly, I think York's getting too much hate. It's a 54 yard field goal. I get that. I know, I just, we want I was kickers just, it's just automatic. funny that the Browns yeah. tweeted out no, it it, it is it is uh, incredible how everyone bought into him after that one game, and he is he hasn't you know he missed the extra point against the Jets. Things haven't looked great with him since then. But yes, but exactly, I think that Brandon Staley. Away, I'm you're... glad the Browns lost the game, but I would have been happy with the Chargers losing because Brandon Staley made a questionable fourth down decision as like a consolation if the Browns actually kick that field goal. Yeah, so. and Jacoby Brissett is not driving down the field 60 plus yards to, no, to, he's just to not. win you the game like he, but he can but he can get you 10 <laughs> so he certainly can uh, that yeah. was like he could have snuck the ball four times and picked up 10 yards yeah so, so the AFC West coaches they starting with Hackett and Staley they have they did not make great decisions this weekend but 
same with Josh, Josh McDaniels. He did not, uh, he made a, certainly a questionable decision on uh, yesterday's Monday Night Football game where the Chiefs are up 30 to 23 and Raiders drive down the field and get the touchdown. Uh, I think it was Devontae Adams who made a crazy catch. Yep, another long Devontae uh, in the end zone to make it 30 29. And you're looking at a tie game if you go for the extra point, but they did not go for the extra point. They went for two. And they did not get it. And look, I, I I don't think it was a good decision, especially in hindsight. I really didn't think it was. But you can also make a case that if if you went for the extra point, are you even getting the ball back? Because there was, there was four, still four and a half minutes, five left, minutes left in yeah. the game. And we've seen with Mahomes when you're when when you have an offense like the Chiefs do, and then when you have a defense like the Raiders do, you can make a case that the Raiders were never going to get the ball back and might as well go for the win. But at the same time, I just feel like it was a panic analytical decision. Hey, I, the analytics say we should go for two here and it, it cost them the game. And I guess I just want to get your guys thoughts on, do you think that was the right decision or not? Uh, Cause it was certainly questionable, uh, hot topic of whether or not McDaniel should have gone f- for yep. two there, Brian. I, I you know, I, I, it's it's funny you say that because I actually think this relates back to what you were just you know saying about you know a couple uh, you know a few years back with uh, the Patriots against Peyton Manning. You, you throw to Kevin Falk. You you don't want you you try and I mean you do your best not to get the ball into you know or I think in that situation like no matter what Mahomes is getting the ball back in his hands. But I, I think in that situation it's kind of one of those like you put your foot on the gas pedal like you you don't let up. Uh, you know, and I, I think that's one thing that was done, you know, that teams did to the Patriots for years of they just wouldn't put their foot on the gas pedal and throttle down. You know, when you when you smell blood in the water, you know, you'd back off a little bit because you have a bit of a lead and you start being defensive. I, I you know, I I don't want to criticize it because I never want to put the ball in. You know, I, I never you know, I I think it's easy for, you know, for for Mahomes to walk down the field. And I really don't want to get into overtime with Mahomes uh, or against Mahomes, I should say. Because uh, now, you know, essentially what's going to happen there is one of two things. Either they're going to go down, march down the field and score, game over, would have been that way whether you kick the field goal or not. Or you go to overtime, they win the they win the coin toss, and, you know, you, you never touch the ball again. So there could have been 15 more minutes played, and you never touch the ball again. I, I, I mean, I it, it's easy in hindsight to say, yeah, that, what are you doing? But, it, it, you know, it, right now, you know, if they, if they make it, and you know now you know you know and, and somehow win that game. Now we're talking about like, all right, McDaniel's nice. You know, you, you had your season on. You know, pretend, you know, use the term again. You had the season on the line, and you know you you pulled it out. But you know, it's 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 one. It's some of those you know some of those calls that I you know I personally I'm okay with it. If I'm a Raiders fan, I, I I'm okay with the you know the the, the electing to go for it. See, yeah, that, I mean, that's, hindsight is always. It's, it's just in hindsight. It's just. Uh-huh. I look back on it's like wow. Well, if you kick the extra point and you stop Mahomes, uh, and and then they punt it back to you, then like oh, like that should have should been an easy decision to go for already. one. But uh, in hindsight, it it looked it was the wrong decision. But looking back on it, it's like okay, well, what if what if you yeah I don't know. It's just like what if Mahomes doesn't get the ball back? You, you said that you the, said that, it was with four minutes left, Brian. It was four yeah, and a half minutes, minutes left. Okay, so what happens if you what happens if you you know if you, if uh, you miss it and you stop Mahomes, then you get the ball back and you know, can you know now you're only one point down. I mean, it's the, the stopping the Mahomes thing is what's just not I, I don't think realistic. I think you you know that's where you, you know it's you give yourself the best odds to win. Uh, you know, and I think 
I don't know. I, I I don't know what the analytics would say about it. I don't know if there's you know some metric out there that you you know you win 84% of the games when you 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 lead by one going into you know with four minutes left against Mahomes. I don't know what the you know if there's something something like so you know, he, that you're more likely to win a game when you're up by a point than when you're tied. Like yeah, that, yeah, I feel confident in saying that's how the analytics <laughs> would, would play out. No, AFC, I, AFC West yeah. coaches though. I've I've already gone through all three of the questionable coaching decisions. The Andy Reid, even though he's clearly the best coach in the the division, they went for two before the Raiders did. I don't know if you guys remember yes. that. It was yeah, the- they so they were up twenty four to twenty three, score to go up thirty to twenty three instead of kicking but they extra to go point for two to make it a two possession to make it game. a nine point game. And I like the move. That- I think that I I'm a big fan of that move. Um, it feels like a bit of a knockout punch just on a a PAT. This, Do you disagree? I, I, well. Maybe not because they didn't have Bucker. Remember that. Like, look, he the mm-hmm. what's his name? Matthew. Wright? Matthew Wright was a kicker. Yeah, he did yeah. make a fifty-nine. So yard he made field a fifty-nine but... yard field goal, which is awesome. Great for him. But he also missed uh, other gimmies, and so they don't have a very trustworthy option at kicker right now. Even though he made a ridiculous field goal, uh, so you can make a case that maybe going for two, especially the way they were playing in the red zone with Kelsey, even though he had like 20 yards, he had four touchdowns. Yeah, uh-huh. so, so they're getting shredded in the red zone. So again, that's another one. Hindsight, it was wrong, but. Yeah, maybe, I mean, it, I, I do like that decision there um, to go up by nine in that spot. I remember when the Steelers and Patriots played in 2017, the Steelers were up 17 to 16 and they could have done a similar thing. They didn't and ended up losing 27 to 24. Um, and part of that, uh, it was 25 to 24 when the Patriots uh, went for two. And otherwise, they could have just kicked an extra point to go up 26 to 25. And then when Juju's 60-yard catch goes down at the 10, all you have to do is kick a game-winning field goal instead of trying to score a touchdown for the win there. So I, I think that ever since that moment, I've been a fan of the going for two late when you're up by a point and score a touchdown, trying to just get that knockout blow, make it two point two possession game instead of, um, you know, just letting the team tie it. And ultimately seven versus eight, like, yeah, you're more likely to convert a PAT than a two point conversion. And you know, obviously the Raiders were empowered to go for two and go for the lead. But um, I do like the move, especially when you're the chiefs offense, like you said, Travis Kelsey was just catching touchdowns on similar situations all night. So I understand believing i'm so glad uh, i'm not an nfl head coach <laughs> it is <laughs> there's a lot of pressure decision more times than yeah more times than not and then get questioned by the media why did you do this oh, especially with know. analytics now it just changes <laughs> a lot of things um yeah. so one thing i'd like to talk about you know also factors in this raiders chiefs game and i think it's even more controversial is we saw two major roughing the passer penalties called uh that were questionable to say the least we saw in that Monday night game, um, da- not Daniel Jones, Chris Jones sack Derek Carr, knock the ball out, and get called for a roughing the passer penalty as Carr was going to the ground. A day earlier, Tom Brady in a big third down was seemingly sacked by Grady Jarrett. And uh, after convening with the officials, they decided to throw a flag and Falcons were rewarded with a first down or the Bucks were rewarded the first down. Falcons never saw the ball again. So I, I think that there are a lot of possible takes on this. And I think one thing that's being talked about is whether or not this was an effect of the Tua Tagovailoa concussion situation. So I guess, do you, you it's, think it's that hundred percent 
because of what happened with Tua and the refs are probably being told that they got to take those kind of hits from the uh to the quarterback more seriously but it's also gone too far and it's easy to say wow the refs are so bad that how are they making these calls and I mean I, I seeing both of those calls they were so egregious that I remember watching on red zone when the Brady when Brady got sacked and it was then all of a sudden called roughing the passer and they got the first down they eventually won and uh I remember looking at that play like wow that looked like a, just a normal sack and I don't know why they called it and it was really egregious and everyone got all butthurt about it and I didn't think anyone would be talking about it if it happened to a other quarterback or just you know if it were like Jags Texans and if it happened to like Davis Mills or something people wouldn't talk about it but because it benefited Brady of all people and it's like oh I can't believe the NFL did this and uh yeah so that was just a bad bad call and I thought it'd be the worst call of the weekend but yeah the then all of a sudden Chris Jones he strip sacks Derek Carr and they look like they're about to get the ball back and drive down the field and get a score but then then they all of a sudden that was that one was even worse I thought because because when it comes to the Falcons Bucks one you know Brady he he tries to sell like he tried to throw to me to the ground and the refs he, the refs get fooled by it and but I don't think there was any excuse for the the, the Chiefs Rams uh, Chiefs Raiders one uh, whatsoever he it was a completely normal sack he didn't it's not like he even threw it on the ground he just sacked them and he got the ball and looked like they're gonna get the ball back but. I, that that one made no sense to me because I mean the the Falcons Bucks one was bad, but at least in the refs case, like they hey they don't have a replay to look at and they're just taking Bray's word for it that they got he got slammed down. It was it looked like he did, but when you show the replay slow motion, it's like all right, like that was clearly just a normal. It looks snap. like he was gently laying him down, gently you know, pushing, as much uh, as he gently could placed, for a, placing him on the ground for a sack. It's, it's yeah. putting. It's putting defenses in bad situations. Like, what are they supposed to do? Uh, exactly, and I think that that's something you can talk about with these two plays. And it, it just feels like there's very few people who are looking at it and be like, yeah, the rules say that this is roughing the passer. I think the rebuttal to the Tom Brady hit was, oh, well, the play before Scotty Miller got interfer- interfered with, so it was a make yeah, call. Was and a- then the rebuttal to that was, well, two plays before, there was a ticky-tack holding call in A.J. Terrell. So... And to me, I think that that one is just a series of poor officiating yeah, that, by that Jerome Boger in general. Yeah, and that was the same crew that got uh, banned from the playoffs after the Raiders Bengals game last year. So, oh my god, <laughs> yeah, I mean that was Jerome Boger's crew. Uh, right. But yes, and then obviously the the Raiders Chiefs game. I mean, there's another one. This one was the first half, and um, you know, but that was the point where the Chiefs down seventeen to seven. They could have gone ball in field goal range, chance to get a touchdown before the half, feel really good after, uh, you know, starting out on a 17-0 hole. Instead, the Raiders end up getting 15 yards, and they, they're they able to get a field goal to get to 20-7, to um, you know, before the that long 59-yarder by Matthew Wright made it 20-10 at halftime. But that's just two huge momentum swings. So I guess, Will, just, you know, real quickly to get your thoughts on here, like, do you like, oh, I see why I was roughing the passer. Or- so I, I think the the, Raider, the Raiders-Chiefs one, I, you know, I did, I, I just went back and watched the two videos as we're talking about them. The Raider, the Raiders one, it makes more sense. Uh, the the NFL implemented the rule of you know you can't land on the quarterback. Uh, and that was you know, what the ref said. If, if we want to argue that rule, that's fine. That's a penalty. I mean, it, it, by definition, that is a penalty. If it, if this is the play, and I, it just seems weird that this is what people are referring to as a terrible call. He, you can't land on the quarterback for you know one way or the other. You can't do it. The Brady one. 
that one I uh, that's a I'd be I'd be I'd be infuriated if I was a Falcons fan watching that one the there there's no reason that should have been a penalty you know and, and to say like is it the two the two a thing that uh you know is the NFL being overcautious with the two a thing they are being overcautious with the two a thing we see that we saw that with you know a guy like Naheem Hines immediately out uh Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater past concussion protocol but I believe it was uh he, he showed stumbled. Water. He, he, yeah he stumbled. motor instability motor yeah. instability perfect I don't yes. care if you can pass the pass the dang test if you're stumbling take him out you know, but the with the with the Buccaneers call, I, I, I the only reason I can think that's like, all right, I get it. Like I see what the, the NFL is trying to do. At first, I didn't, you know, I didn't like the call. The only reason, you know, that I I, I do kind of like it, or you know, I, for for the sense of thinking of concussions, all these concussions are taking place not from the actual contact necessarily, but from the helmet hitting the head hitting the ground, and it's it's the yeah. spinning around the, or like the pushing someone uh-huh. off balance. And that's what, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what the NFL can do about that, especially with all the mobile quarterbacks coming out these days. I think that's one, th- one reason the the mobile quarterbacks are so successful is because you have to, you know, essentially, you know, play flag football while they're playing tackle football. Uh, you know, so the rules are, you know, are imbalanced in that sense. I don't like, I don't like that Bucks call. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I, I still, I still root for Brady now, but I, I think they got away with a very strong one there. And Corey, you know, to your credit, you say, oh, they, you know, it was a makeup call. I hate makeup calls. Yes, I agree. No, if, I. If, if you missed it, the Chiefs, great. The, the, the Chiefs, like, even though they got screwed, in my opinion, I thought they did, and maybe other people's opinions too. The benefit of that them getting screwed on that call is that they get, they get calls the rest of the way. <laughs> In a in a sense, yeah. I mean, I I get the whole concept of makeup calls. Um, I think that's something that we've seen across sports. I remember in NHL last year, there was a ref who was fired for admitting to a makeup call on a a hot mic. Mm-hmm. And so here's my overall problem with this: is that regardless of whether or not these are roughing the passer penalties, they are enforced inconsistently, and they're enforced in these big moments. And I think that is the biggest thing, that it's just this judgment call. There's no replay. There's no like real standard. It's ultimately what does an official see in real time? You know, Is it about a quarterback complaining? Is it, I saw Jacoby Brissett, total acting job, and he drew a roughing the passer penalty in the, their game against the Chargers. And we've, to me, the issue with all of this is the fact that well, there's a lot of issues, but one of my biggest issues that needs to be relevant anytime you talk about NFL and competition and balance and you know things like this with officiating, the league is in bed with gambling companies at this point. Like it is, it went from this is something you do with bookies in you know back alleyways. Now you go to games and the league is pushing on fans to actually bet on these games, and if they're going to have these rules in place i think that it needs to be much more consistently enforced and having these big time moments like again if you bet the the falcons spread then you still would have won that but if you had money on the falcons money line and they didn't get an opportunity when it should have been their ball like you'd be screwed and i know the chiefs ended up winning the game but they only won by a point anyone who had chiefs spread in that game feels screwed so to me i think that is a legitimate thing that needs to be factored in is when when you think about this in the context of gambling if you're going to have any questions to the integrity of the game like that you're just gonna 
lose people at that point. I, I think it's just such a frustrating thing to experience. And that's coming from someone who isn't even a gambler. Like I don't put money on games uh, very often, if at all. And I think that it's something that is becoming a, a much bigger thing in today's world. And it, it just stresses more the importance on you know getting things right, having consistency, and just the integrity being where it is. Because Tom Brady saying, hey, I got I got thrown to the ground there, throw a flag, shouldn't be the reason why a flag comes out. Like, And I'm not saying that's 100% what happened, but like, he should not be officiating I, the game. I, I bet it was influenced, though. Oh, I'm sure it, it was, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that there's, there's a lot of problems with it, but uh, that's something that has to absolutely be factored in. You know, Corey, that, that's a, that's a fantastic point. One I hadn't thought of, but it, you know, to to add on to that, doesn't it just go to show how laughable uh, the Calvin Ridley uh, uh, punishment was? The, you know, the a full season for uh, you know gambling on games when arguably you have refs <laughs> throwing games. <laughs> it is, I mean, it, it's something that no, it's definitely something to consider. I don't necessarily have a problem with it because you know, it's again, it's the integrity of the game. Like you don't want players betting. It starts with a fifteen hundred dollar parlay by a player who's hurt, and next thing you know, you have a Pete Rose who's betting on his his team every game. Um, oh, can so you imagine? I, if, can you imagine if Tim Donahue were an NFL ref and an NFL ref now? <laughs> oh my oh, god! It would be. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's like a legitimate <laughs> concern. So, like, no, I, I I think that it's something that needs to be taken seriously, and I I think that the league needs to take the time. Like, if they're all about protecting the quarterback and having all these rules when it comes to roughing the passer, they need to have some better way to standardize it. If that means having someone in New York who makes these judgment calls and says, hey, this does not fit, picked up the flag, or hey, this should have been, throw a flag on it. Like I, I think that would be just like anything to have any sort of consistency. I would be a huge fan of that. Can you challenge a penalty, by the way? No. All right. No, there we go. you can't. The, no. the, I mean... Uh, this this one, you know, I guess the, to me the they let you, know, you do it with pass interference, and the NFL made a joke of it, so that way people would stop complaining. You know, I I think with I would say with the you know in hindsight, like looking at these, if if you if you have you know if you if you allow challenging on penalties, and I, you know I I don't want to necessarily just you know allow player you know allow teams to challenge everything, but especially when you get into like kind of meaningful situations like this, the Chiefs one. You challenge it, I'm, I'm, you know, the call standing. The, the Bills one or the, the Buccaneers one, you challenge it, probably overturning that. You know, so it's that, that's one that, I, you know, that, that's, I don't know, I think that could, that could be something that the NFL should uh, investigate this off season. Oh. College football does it with targeting. It's automatically reviewed, and they can say, "Hey, sorry, we threw a flag on it. It wasn't really targeting, so we're picking it up." Mm. Um, and that that it comes with an ejection of the player, so it's much more serious. But it, it's it's there. The proof is there that being able to you know really look at these plays on replay and you know make judgment calls off that works. So yeah. So anyway, that's a lot of football. Uh, you know, of course, we're always going to talk uh, a lot of NFL this season, but there are other sports that are relevant right now. It's October, in my opinion, one of the best, if not the best sports months. And part of that is because MLB playoffs. And even when my teams aren't in it, I still find myself watching games. And I really enjoyed the wild card round this weekend. Brand new format, best of three. Every game was played at the home site of the higher seed. So before we kind of get into the games, what are your guys' thoughts on this new format? Fan, positive, negative? don't care i'll admit i i kind of don't care but i think it's a little bit more of a positive because i will say I've, I've said in past seasons that i love the one game playoff but 
you're thinking about it, it does suck if you play 162 games and all of a sudden your season comes down to one game. Uh, so they make it a three game series. I like that where one round's three games, three game series, then five game series where the the final eight's still the same, where it's a five game series and divisional round series and then seven game series for LCS and world series. Yeah. I, I, I like it because it's not, your season doesn't come down to just one game. You can, you can win in a best of three and it adds more teams to the mix. So you get 12 teams now, or it's kind of, it's kind of like the old NFL format outside of obviously single elimination in NFL and not in baseball. So I, I do kind of like it. It does kind of suck that these games are, they start, you know, I mean, I know that they're four games and you want to show all of them and it's, you know, separately, but it does suck that they do start at like one in the afternoon and then, and there's a four and afternoon game and it's like, you know, most people are working and, you know, baseball wants to grow the game, but they're having games that are like in the middle of the day. Yeah, I mean, they've always had to do that with baseball playoffs. You you want to stagger them. You know, when baseball was at its peak in, you know, like the 1900s, like late 1900s, like there'd be a lot of games that start in the afternoon anyway. So because there was, they didn't have lights in the stadium. If we're <laughs> yeah, going that sure. far back. But no, I'm just saying like the playoffs in the divisional round, they've always had games start during the day. Cause you'd always have like multiple going on and you want to show the games as much in their entirety without being like having to choose between one or the other. So I would say for a Friday, like, you know, you can, especially if you're working from home on a Friday, it's not a big deal to be able to watch games, but I, I do get it. Even on Saturday, Sunday, you're competing with college and NFL football. So yeah, that too. So, uh, over, so overall, overall, I think it's fine, but you know, Brian, you mentioned that you don't like having a, a, a single game, you know, after 162 game season, you don't like a single game, like, you know, deciding it. The, the, the interesting thing is a single game would have decided all these series in the exact same way. All three, you know, uh, three of the match, three of the wild card matchups were two and zero, oh, and then the other one that uh, wasn't a, you know, wasn't a sweep was the Padres and the Mets. The Padres won the first game, you know, and, and they ended up winning the, you know, winning the uh, the series. So it, I mean, not you know, not that it's gonna, you know, would happen like that every year, but you know, just kind of interesting, interesting take. It was on interesting. It. I didn't even think about and, that. And overall, you know, the MLB postseason is one. You know, I love the new format mainly because I think the MLB postseason is one that. Like you do need, you know, like expanding the playoffs makes sense. You, know, you the MLB is a, you need, is a you need more teams to try. The, the MLB I've, is a I've sport. Said that in, it, it, I've said that in the past several years that there are too many teams that are not trying. That they're already just not being competitive by July. And the, the, just, the trade deadline is unlike it used to be. You know, it's not a you know you have to mortgage the future or you you have to sell the team. Uh, you know, the trade deadline's different now, and uh, you know, I I, I think overall like this is the this is the one of the few sports where it's not you know like the ml like the nba for example i don't mean to you know change topics but the nba they had you know added the like the play-in game what difference does that make i don't give a crap about oh that yeah game. I, no that's not a great versus point because versus this i the love NBA, the play-in game personally even, even if you're a seven or eight seed that you know wins the play-in game and makes it you're still gonna get your ass kicked by the one it, or two seeds and exactly. get exactly you know frankly the you know the Phillies. They could go on to make the make the World Series as the the yeah. lowest seed in the uh in the uh, NL. You know it's I per you know I I'm I like the new format. I'm for it. And frankly, I I think the the MLB is one of those sports that I think this helps the sport. I think it you know doesn't just add games to add games. I don't know. I I'm I'm for it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'll take it. No, I, I, I think, absolutely agree. 
I no, I I like it. I was kind of lukewarm on what I was saying, but I I do like <laughs> it. I just don't think it's gonna transform the sport and like everyone's gonna be watching and. That, no, and I, I get that. Issue. There's a lot but more to I, do. I do think it's a positive. From uh, an actual a baseball game. fan, I think it's good having extra teams making the playoffs. Like I said, it makes more teams try. It makes more teams feel like they're contenders at the deadline, and ultimately more teams are in the field, more teams have chances. And with the best of three format, I think it's so much better. Like, yes, in the end, it turned out you end up with a bunch of 2-0 sweeps anyway, but at least those teams got multiple chances. And and I know there are many Pirates fans who believe that that 2015 team that won 98 games, if they got a best of three, they would have won two in a row against the Cubs. They just ran into the buzzsaw that was Jake Arrieta, who is one of the greatest second halves in the history of baseball going back to 1869. And that team could have made a run to the World Series. So um, that's one of those biggest what-if moments that I'd love to go back and find out. And I think that's something you can't necessarily say now. Like, yeah, obviously two losses in a 162-game season is still a lot but you get multiple tries and if you're the better team you get to play them all at home and i think that was an interesting thing is that yeah, a lot I, of I the like road teams ended up winning they so, didn't travel yeah. like one to the other to yeah the, to just like a lot location. of they a lot of advantages to location. still being better yeah so you know another thing um, is will you said yeah. three of the four series they just went two two to nothing three of the four series also had the the road team the road team yes yeah, which is very interesting. You so know, the, the addition of the new team, Phillies wouldn't be in it right now. You know, and that's nope, that's Phillies what I love. wouldn't be in it. That's yep. you know, and they're leading and the, the Mariners Braves right now, right? You know, or not the Mariners? The, uh, uh, the oh the, no, the, the Rays. Rays but yeah. yeah, yeah, but yes, you're right. The Phillies wouldn't be in it. Uh, so I guess just kind of looking back at the actual baseball, <laughs> this is like a fun weekend. Um, you had two pretty historic collapses. Friday night, the uh, Cardinals up two nothing over the oh, Phillies, the- going to the ninth inning. Six runs in the ninth, and they did it with just infield singles. <laughs> like, I think the I hardest hit ball was 88 miles an hour. Just incredible collapse. Uh, you know, the Phillies just slowly beating the Cardinals to death. I didn't watch any of that series except that, that inning. ninth inning, yeah. top of the ninth, uh, down two nothing in game one. And uh, what, what's the closer's name? Helmsley. Yeah, Ryan Helsley. He was Ryan hurt. Helsley. He got hurt against the he Pirates. He gets hurt. The second but, last but game that was just season. a buy time for the other guy to come in. And then all of a sudden, I love that uh, Gene Segura got a hit immediately. And they, and they drove in the runs and then they imploded. Uh, yeah. So I, 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 that I actually didn't enjoy. Uh, just the way the Cardinals closer wasn't. Yeah, like he, yeah, he was hurt, I guess, but like, he couldn't throw. <laughs> like they were like yeah, checking his was, fingers. Like, yeah. no, you have no control over your fastball. <laughs> Like, I'm sure you're a little hurt, but he was definitely hurt. Yeah, I mean, he's a really good closer who got hurt. Um, And I was told it wasn't a big deal, but obviously it was a big deal. And I got to say, I thought the Cardinals, you know, Yachty, Pujols, end of their career, Wainwright, maybe. I thought that everything would come together one final time for them. Can't say I'm upset that they lost both their playoff games. (laughs) I'm very glad that, uh, that they're out of it. They two nothing their last game just a sad way for the cardinals to go out so phillies definitely look real to me um as a legit contender they did win game one against the braves like you said will um any thoughts on the phillies cardinals series specifically brian brian already weighed in so uh (laughs) i don't know i i mean i i think you know personally i i like you know i liked the braves going into it but now after seeing that the that Phillies, uh, you know, the underdog, I, I'm, you know, I don't have a pony in the race. I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm going to root for Philly. 
Uh, but you know, really, I think the you know, I, I think the Braves are just a good team. I, I like them. You know, they're kind of kind of one of those like you know, they they, they built a lot of it within. Uh, and I don't know. I think it, I think it sets a good example for the rest of the MLB of like, hey, this is what you could do if you you know if you don't just trade away every prospect you ever, you ever had for a couple of shots. You can be a you know perennial good team. And I don't know. I I, I like you know I've I've liked the Braves for quite some time. Uh, you know, my, my old roommate used to be a Braves fan. So I kind of, you know, back dating back to, I believe it was 2018. Uh, you know, I kind of turned into a Braves fan just because he was a Braves fan. And, you know, there was, it was, uh, I don't know. They, they, they just seem, they just seem, you know, there's, there's a couple of, couple of players on that team that I just, you know, really like, I like what they, you know, like what Acuna, done. Uh, you know, and just, you know, they're, they're kind of a fun team to watch. Uh, you know, I, I think that's one thing that's, you know, lost me about baseball over the past couple of years is personally the red Sox are not a fun haven't been a fun team to watch in some time and you know that's one thing that i think i'm missing of why you know why i i'm not the biggest baseball fan is because you know be, because they're not you know they're, they're you know the, my 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 home team isn't a fun team to watch but when you oh, get it's turn, it's turn into baseball, a regional sport where if your team is not in it well maybe Corey would disagree because he's still watching but no i mean no but, i agree it's a regional sport i watch I don't watch baseball playoffs as intently as I used to. I do keep up with them. I do enjoy watching the games, especially this wild card round where like every game felt like it really mattered, which I think it does in the playoffs. But yes, I'm not going to argue that baseball isn't a regional sport because it absolutely is at this point. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I want to see the Braves go back to back, but they are, they are a fun team overall. Um, they're, they're a good baseball team. I, I've quickly kind of grown tired of them, uh, you know, after last year. But, uh, you know, they're still a big threat. And I, I don't think that series is over at all, even though the Phillies won game one. Um, and then the other big collapse was the the Blue Jays, 8-1 to one over the Mariners. Uh, you know, Seattle, they're going to get to host the playoff game for the first time in 21 years. So that's definitely fun. And just what a brutal loss for Toronto. Oh yeah, Toronto just imploding in that. What inning was it? The seventh inning. Yeah, the one, the think... one where the where Bichette and Springer they collided and the bases were loaded. Yeah, it was. A, they collided. It was, I think it was an eighth the, inning at that point. But yeah, inning, it was okay. late in the game. It was and, late in the yeah. game, and Bichette and Springer they collided, and all three runs scored to make it a tie game. And then Mariners end up taking the lead, and then one. And yeah, just a complete implosion by Toronto, but at the same time, good for Seattle. Cause like you said, they haven't hosted a, a playoff game in, in forever. And that's probably the team I'd root for. Like just, that just feel good story. Like they, believe it or not, they're the one team in the entire league that has never been to a world series. Can you believe that? The only team. Really? In they're the, the only holdover league. now. Yeah. That makes sense because the nationals got there in yeah. 2019. Yeah. So also, I just realized the Astros came back to beat them on a uh, walk off home run by Alvarez. They scored three in the ninth inning, three run homer. Oh. Jordan Alvarez. <laughs> I was gonna say I thought that the Mariners won game one, um, <laughs> but I will say like that's like. So I think that Mariners Astros is probably one of the, uh, you know, if not the series that I think most of the country is all on the same side, given how many people are not a huge fan of Houston and the fact that Seattle has not had success. I think that the Mariners is kind of an easy team for at least nationally people to be rooting for. I personally I don't, don't care. I don't, I don't have a problem. I don't with hate the, the cheating as much uh, yeah. as other people when it comes to the Astros, but I still, I'm still on the same side yeah. as 
That's, majority of people or I'm rooting, uh, for, I'm rooting wanting for Seattle. Seattle to win. Yeah. Do you have any opinions on the Astros these days? I I, I don't hate them as much as the rest of the world does. Same. You know, I, yeah. you know I, I I don't know. I they're still a good. They've still been a, like a, again to to use the use the term. They're a fun team. Like you know, regardless of the you know the tapping on the trash cans, hell, still win a hundred games. Yeah, you, you're, they're you're, still a really good team. You know what? If <laughs> if banging on trash cans makes you a fun team to you know fun team to watch, banging all everybody should be banging on trash cans. Just give me give me a, you know it's it's a good product. You know, again, maybe this is just you know the the, the dissatisfaction with my you know, with with my local market team, but. I, I, you know, the, the, the takeaway, the world series, you know, reappoint them to the, the Dodgers get out of here. They still won. No. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Thank you. You know yeah. what? Get you know, enough of that. It, you know, and, and really I'm rooting for the Astros in this series mainly because bring it back to my local market. I think they got the best chance to, uh, you know, beat the Yankees if both yeah. those teams. No, go I, to I the, do you know, agree the, with the, uh, that. ALCS. I think they have the best, best chance to win, to beat the Yankees. So I'm, I'm rooting Astros. I, I would still root for the Astros over the Yankees. Oh, without a doubt. I don't, like, and the, I would... the hatred is not the same with the Yankees as it was in the heyday of 03, yeah, But it's starting still, to get You still hate them. You, or you still want to root oh, yeah. against them. Yeah. No, it's definitely getting getting closer for me, Um, you know, just given how good they've been this year. But no, I agree. Like, there are so many teams that I hate more than them that, you know, 15 years ago was not even close. I, I think part of the reason I don't hate the Astros as much as a lot of people do is because, you know, I think back to when I was like, baseball was my number one sport growing up as a kid. Like, I, I you know, I, I could have told you everybody, you know, I could have told you the backup second baseman on the Blue yeah. Jays. I think all three of us average. are the same all, way. <laughs> uh, so all three of us are probably the same where like, yeah. I, baseball was my number one sport growing up and I could, yeah, name the, the bullpens of like the, the Padres <laughs> or whatever. Uh, hey, but yeah, And I think back to when we were kids, in the Astros were just such a laughing stock of the league. You know, for so long they were very, very, very bad. You know, then they, they, made, they made the World Series the one year. They, they had the a Chicago, couple of you know Chicago. decent teams. You know, when they you know they peaked at certain points, but there were a lot of years that they you know it was just, you know they looked like the Orioles of last year, like the. Yeah. Oh yeah, they lost a hundred, hundred five games three years in a row or something like that. They, they weren't even good enough to finish fifth in the division. They were sixth because there were six teams, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you know, I think I think I go back to that, and I think of you know how they were you know so bad for so long. Some of those te- you know some of those markets just need to do that. You know, I don't want to call them a small market team, but not a Boston, New York, or uh, uh, L.A. You know, some some of those teams just need to reset the you know reset the team every once in a while, and this is one team that just looks like they reset properly. They you know they they, mm-hmm. they kind of hit on all the prospects at all that you yeah, know. I mean, all Alex the right Bregman, time. Carlos Correa, uh, like, you know, and, and those not just that, but they've let some go and they've continued their success. And I think that's what that's where I applaud them from a you know an organizational management. You know, you you, mm-hmm. you lose some of your you know some of the pieces that one might call were were some of your main. Uh, you know your main pieces that allowed you to you know win some of those cheating championships, and you're still there. You're still you know you're still the number one seed in the uh, you know in, in the AL. I I don't know. I, I that's I think that's right. No, I, I, I actually kind of agree. I, I totally I agree, agree that, with where it. I, yeah. I respect. Uh, it's not like the Astros just you know turned into a puddle and they were just a terrible <laughs> team. Like they're still great, even with the uh, all the cheating that happened. Uh, uh, you know years ago and losing guys like Correa, the fact that they're still a consistently 100-win team 
uh, no longer cheating. At least we don't think they are. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, at the, this point, trash, I feel trash cans, and then and then uh, losing uh, a core player, and the fact that they're still good. That, not just yeah. Correa, but Springer and Cole. You know, and Springer, right? You know, yeah. they, you know, they, yeah, they lost, right. Garrett Cole's been there for like a half a year, but yeah, he didn't make the World Series. Year and a half, year. but two years. Oh, year but yeah, half. no, he was. Yeah, um, no, they they have continued to be a great baseball team, and I will say that. I would rather have a Seattle Cleveland ALCS than a Houston New York. And uh, you know, I we got this whole David versus Goliath matchup. That Guardian series is incredible. You have a two hour seventeen minute game one and then game two goes fifteen innings scoreless. And then we end up winning it on a walk off home run. Um I was like I wanted to say that I was glued to my seat, but I left in I was watching at home and I wanna say after the eleventh inning I left to go to UPS to drop off my old phone uh, to get it shipped back and get some credit on my exchange and go to my friend's house. We then drove to a bar downtown, a brewery downtown, and the game was still going in all that time. It's now like the 13th inning, 14th inning. Uh, I still I, got to see the the ending of it. So I was uh, happy I, that it went 15. But. I, I, I missed it. I, I tapped. So I watched parts of the end of the game, or at least I, what I thought would be the end of the game, uh, <laughs> where it was it like the ninth inning kept going. and 10th. And, and I'm like, 0-0 zero, zero through this many innings? Like I, I just tapped out, and I, I just uh, did errands after that. And I don't know if yeah, you guys I, are self-parked. I don't know if you guys are South Park fans, but it reminded me of if you guys uh, you know are familiar with the episode. There's a there's an episode where the kids play in li- the Little League World Series and everybody wants no, to I lose, haven't. and it turns out that yeah. like you know like all the kids just want to stop playing baseball, so they're trying to <laughs> lose, and it you know like the, uh, the South Park kids are just so bad at losing that they keep winning, and that's how it, that like you know the, the games like just, you know like you try and lose, like you try and give it to the opponent. Uh, it, it, it's straight, you know, it's, oh, that's what that game struck me as like, neither team actually wanted it. You know, it was just kind of like, no, you win it. No, you win it. I, no, I think the it. problem with that is that both of those teams are really, really good pitching teams and just don't have offenses that can match up. It's and, uh, four runs were scored in the entire series. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. It's just, <laughs> just, uh, that went exactly how you would think it would go. And that, that's really what Cleveland would have to do. Their pitching staff needs to shut down the Bronx bombers if they're going to win. And I don't know. I think uh, the Yankees, uh, you know, the offense wasn't the greatest down the stretch, or at least Aaron Judge specifically. I think it was just a home run chase got to him, but um, I'm interested to see how they Now he doesn't have to worry about that. No, he doesn't. So, All right. But, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because this is something that's really been bothering me lately. Corey, who's the, uh, who's the NFC leader in touchdowns in a single given season? So the... NFL doesn't distinguish between two leagues because the two conferences play by the same rules. And up until this year, the American League and the National League played by two different rules. So that's why there's a difference between the record holders between those two. So uh, that being said, the NFC leader, I mean, AFC is Bra- Manning, Brady, Mahomes, Marino. They're all AFC. So I don't know who the NFC leader would be. It's uh, it was Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. And I believe I was going to guess Rodgers. 18 okay. or 19 might have been yeah, 20. I forget right. exactly what it was. But uh, that's why I didn't. That's why I haven't. I mean, so there's there's two gripes behind this. One, Corey, I get what you're saying of like the you know the play by different rules. But at the same time, like I don't know, like there's a reason. You know, they play by different rules. The NFC, you would think that the uh, the, the uh, AL would have more home runs. They don't. They they have DHs. They should have more oh, home it is, runs. 
Yeah, like you would think so. I I just don't like. I don't well, get the sp- singularly at least. I don't know. If there's a difference between the individual batter. I think as a team, the American League would have more historically. Yeah, but. I mean you He's can't pitch around home guys. run king. Yeah, like it's harder yeah. to pitch around guys. I should say. But my my issue with it is, you know, and I'm sure you guys have heard all the complaints. But the cut, like you know, every college football game, every time that Aaron <laughs> Judge steps up to uh, steps up to you know bat, we gotta you know we gotta uh, you know. S- like give you a partial screen of the football game you're watching to show some spineless, you know, pitchers throwing five straight or four straight balls to Aaron judge every single at bat. Come on. That like, was frustrating. I know the fact that no one was even giving him a chance at like, a home run. If, like if yes, he was, that... if he was chasing, what is it? 70 home runs in the season? 73. The, or, 73, I mean, he, 73 is what bonds it. Yeah. If he was even at 70, 70, if he was at yeah. 70, like chasing number 70. Cool. Sign me up. Sign me up. 60. I'm sorry. Like, Chasing the 62. Like, uh, 62. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yo, when he was chasing 60, I don't give a crap. In, <laughs> like, in Yankee Stadium. I like yeah. in Yankee Stadium where the where it's like 310 feet. Listen, I this, could this, hit a home is, run at Yankee Stadium. This is not me diminishing Aaron, you know, Aaron Judge's uh, you know, accomplishment. That is a unbelievable number. We've seen so many good batters come through the A, you know, the AL and the NL for that matter, that have that have never been able to get to that number. But at the end of the day, it's not like you know. And if you want to give the argument steroids, blah 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 blah. Sure, I you know that I I'm not you know I'm that's not an argument that's gonna you know that's gonna win you know win a win a debate with me. But I just don't think that it was that like you like that polarizing. I don't you know, like if it was Shohei Otani doing it. Cool polarizing. I don't know. I I, I think Judge I'm, Judge plays to the Yankees like that. That was always going to give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, he's I, I breaking just, I, not yeah. just an American League record, but a Yankees record. And no one's hit sixty home runs in a long time. My biggest take is that it made baseball relevant down the stretch, and that's something that I think is good for the sport. People were talking about it. People I thought it was forced relevancy. Chase. You know, you use sure, the term relevant. But, I, I think it was like it wasn't actually relevant. Like it was, it was let's like, let's chase something, you know, let's find something to, you know, to kind of try and get, you know, grab more interest before we get to the postseason to build like a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit more of a, you know, an edge. No. And I, I think that baseball needs any type of advantage it can get. So anyway, the last series Padres Mets and, you know, we got some sad trumpets. The, the the end of that game. Uh, they might as well have the villain of a fluke Diaz girl in that game. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> saying they should play taps, and so, even the the announcers were saying they should have played taps instead of uh, Narcos. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, the Mets had a great season, great regular season. The Braves were just better down the stretch, and uh, now the Mets are going home, and it. <laughs> It kind of sucks for uh for Mets fans who were like bought into that things are finally different and uh it, they're just not at least not yet and it's hard to say that oh they're gonna be the same team when they have so many key free agents Degrom Chris Bassett um, Edwin Diaz is a free agent so the yeah I mean the Padres the things weren't looking great for them they went all in at the deadline getting Juan Soto Josh Bell among others and at least rewarded them with an opportunity to take on the Dodgers in the NLDS and get revenge for uh, a couple years ago I love how that game three ended where Joe Musgrove was putting on a show and Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden Buck (laughs) Walter 
Buck Showalter thinks he's cheating because his ears are all shiny. <laughs> and yeah, it's something. They on end him, up sticking but... his ears and like, yeah, I don't have any sticky substance. And then that just made him pissed. And like, that just made him yeah. want to shut him down even more. And they gave up what hint the entire game. And I like that Joe Musgrove pulled like the Kenny Powers. Like, <laughs> I, I gotta say, that. that's, that's one of the the that is one of the like. I don't know what like I don't even know how to describe it. That's one of the biggest flexes you can possibly pull in professional sports to have a team accuse you of cheating solely because you're so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was one of those things. You see his ear, you're like something's there. What is it? You gotta go take a look. I mean, at that point, the Mets were out of options. But yeah, that was uh just made things that was worse. Desperation as finest, where like that you gotta yeah. find some way to you know, come back in this game and they just made it even worse. You know, and, and yeah. just, just going to, you know, play the scenario game. What happens at that point? If Musgrove is like, if, the, if there's that's what I was wondering, ear, like, just like, yeah, to humor Does it, it not like, count? Like, <laughs> what, what do you do if you're like the, you know, if, if you're the Mets, like, you know, and God forbid, like he, he is cheating. Like, you know, they win that game. Like, you know, what do you, what do you do as the Mets? Do you like file a petition to replay that game? Do you like file a petition to get them like just tossed out of the playoffs and you just automatically walk on? I don't know. Like, yeah, right. I don't know if there's a, you know, I don't know if there's ever been a precedence to, you know, I know. No, I was wondering the same thing. Like, what happens if this actually is illegal, whatever is on his ear? But yeah, I don't know. It's tough for me because I, I like Joe Musgrove. I like he's having success in his hometown, but he's just another example of a guy who left Pittsburgh, particularly a pitcher, and got so much better playing with an actual competent organization so it's tough for me to see him have this kind of playoff success but um yeah i mean it you know good good for him uh it i'm glad that he wasn't cheating you know with any kind of sticky sticky substance uh, and that he was actually just shutting down Mets hitters like that when i did see that video though if you look at his ear it is red it's weird like you know it it is shiny yeah like oh so um andrew mccutcheon no andrew mccutcheon um he he kind of explained uh in a tweet saying that there are a lot of pitchers use this kind of like an icy hot type substance yeah helps you focus so yeah yeah, I thought that was interesting. It doesn't provide so, any kind of like you know tack or you know slip. No, play, it's you know, not spider tack. It's nothing <laughs> that's yeah. He wasn't uh, you know throwing spitballs up there or anything. So <laughs> the the only thing I will say you know you know to to try and lift the spirits of any Mets fans out there. I don't know. I, I feel like I, I feel like Steve Cohen since he acquired the team has done a fairly good job of like you know investing in that team. I don't think they're Absolutely. ready to. I don't think they're ready to come out and be the you know the Yankees. I don't think they're going to re-sign all their free agents. But I think they're gonna, you know, the, the, I I think there's reason for optimism as a as a Mets fan. I think they'll make know, a play on some of them. You know, I, I, I think that. Yeah, I, I don't think they're all gone. I think someone will be back. They might go out and sign Aaron Judge, steal him away from the Yankees. I think that'd be hilarious. But yeah, so that that's one. That, that's another one. Uh, that I I mean, Aaron Judge, after that, after the year he just had, what kind of contract do you think he commands? Because. He, I, I, oh, I, it's it'll be insane if he wants like a long, long term contract and doesn't want to take like a short term to maximize his. It's really a matter of is he going to take like a three year, hundred fifty million dollar deal or try to get like a ten year, uh, I don't know, four hundred million. million. Yeah, is yeah, he going right? to take a you know a Bauer like a Trevor Bauer deal or like you know more like a like uh, yeah exactly yeah uh-huh. I, so. so. It, just for you know, just for the sake, you know, I, I uh, I've previously had this conversation with other people of you know what judge can command. The there is no market 
for a 30, you know, a 30 year old going to be 31 when he signs the contract outfielder, uh, you know, being signed either long-term or for big money. The only comparable is Chris Bryant and he was 29 and he signed at 25 million a year for, I believe it was seven years. Yeah. Seven uh, years. So, you know, I think judge is better than Chris Bryant. In, he injury history too. He, yeah, I know well, there are a lot of factors. Year, great in a contract year, yeah, and that's first year staying fully healthy. That's the thing is that I, I think that I think it's going to be very difficult for you to actually gauge the value of that contract. I think you know I, I don't, I wouldn't want him at like you know I if you tell me the numbers twenty five over seven, I'll take it. If if you're telling me the numbers thirty over seven, I don't want it. And the reason being is, as such a tall guy, how many guys in the MLB have we, or the the uh, NBA, have we seen kind of start, you know, really start to deteriorate with their knees being that height? I, I I just I don't think that he's a player that you know being that height. I don't think that's sustainable for him to play into his late 30s, like a, you know, like some of the, some of the, like an Albert Pujols that we're seeing right now. Yeah, well, I don't luckily know that there's he's not as much jumping story. in uh, baseball as there uh, is in basketball. But I know what you mean, though. His he'll be a DH before long. Like I think that's that's very yeah. Much, he, uh, I can't I can't imagine him playing about. in the outfield that much longer at his size. I'd imagine, like you said, Corey, probably be a DH, mm-hmm. just a full time DH at that point. Yeah, I think his his best move would be to maximize his value in a short term contract. Yeah, I just and, don't uh, think it's there in the you know long term. You know, and mm-hmm. ideally, if you if you if he can sign a three year contract, get him to his you know thirty four years old, you might be able to sign another three years at you know potentially more money than you know depend you know with the way these contracts yeah. are flowing upwards uh, you know potentially more money uh yeah we'll see yeah so do you guys give the uh the padres any chance against the dodgers who just won 110 games it's the mlb postseason I mean, they look good. one of the reasons i, I mean, love it is, it's yeah. you know it, you, you just need anything can happen I, I believe it was freddie freeman said uh you know hey they're they're a hot team they got hot over the past month We've been hot for the past seven months. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> bulletin board material that you can use. Hey, and, you know, you know, I, yeah. I, 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 I think I liked the uh, Padres, you know, for the past couple of years, I think they've you know done a nice job of, they got, you know, they got the right prospects and saw that cashed in on it and started, you know, started putting the right pieces around them. I don't know. A lot they of had all, Tatis all though, along with Soto yeah, that's and Machado tough. and others. Yeah, that would that, that would made the series way more interesting. But. They're still a, a really loaded team. Still good um, though. Yeah, I yeah. I, no, I, I, think I think the Dodgers will win, series. but yeah. it could be a like six game. I series. hope it goes the distance. Well, it's yeah. best of five, so. Oh, or excuse me, we'll, we'll go six. five game series. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking six. I was yeah. thinking best of seven, but yeah, no, I know. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was my bad. Yeah. So as much as we love having a guest on the show to keep things fresh and provide uh, their own insights and opinions on various topics. They tend to lead to longer episodes when we have three of us trying to talk over each other, especially when we have as many various topics as we do in this one. And because of that, we've decided to break up this episode into two parts that will be released on two separate days slash nights so you can look forward to the remainder of this episode our 2022-23 nhl season preview and top five celebrities name will sometime in the late night of wednesday october 12th slash early morning of thursday october 13th for now i'm corinne Votney. thanks everyone <laughs> <laughs>